Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is a podcast about seven motivational mental hacks. And you are going to want to check out the article version of this podcast linked below wherever you are listening to it as I've got kind of some cool imagery to go along with it. This might be an article or podcast that you want to share around with somebody in your life. I'm sure you've got somebody who is just kind of in a motivational slump right now. Billions of people around the world are being forced to hashtag stay inside in 2020. It's really kind of a bummer, especially with the beautiful sunlight and the spring beckoning out there. And I've got some cool motivational mental hacks here that I think might be a breath of fresh air that people out there need. And I also want to thank all of you in my audience who dropped me a happy birthday message on Facebook or elsewhere on social media. Yesterday, I had a great birthday. There was food, laughs, there was some good drink. I did a Zoom hangout with a number of friends from around the world. Me and my wife really did manage to make the best out of my birthday in these trying times. Okay, so do you find motivation elusive? Do you start a new project and work intensely for a few days, weeks, or months only to lose steam before seeing the project through to fruition? Well, listen up, because here we're going to be breaking down seven mental hacks for mastering motivation. And the first that we're going to address is negative visualization. That's right. You've probably heard all sorts of things about visualization and visualization is not all BS. There is some value to it. You hear endlessly about positive visualization, but fear is a stronger emotion and it can be yielded for motivation. Fear can be our friend when it comes to motivation. We tend to hope for the best and try to stay positive, but anxiety builds and our unconscious mind rebels when we mentally retreat away from threats into delusional cognitive dissonance. In the 2020 global COVID-19 pandemic, for example, Examples of this are abundant. We all know someone who is choosing naivete. They claim it's no worse than the common flu. They refuse to food prep and are totally cavalier about their immune health. But they are far from being unworried. They are noticeably anxious, stressed out, and binging on fear-mongering media all day long. It sure is easy. Maybe they share memes on Facebook, acronymizing fear into false evidence appearing real. 
They are misapplying the advice of the Stoic philosopher Seneca, who wrote, We are more often frightened than hurt, and we suffer more from imagination than reality. The Stoic philosophy is not to ignore fear, but instead to face fear, visualize the worst possible scenario, and if possible, find a way to simulate that scenario, then take deliberate action. Seneca apparently would spend time regularly living like a homeless derelict even though he was a wealthy man, just so that he could immunize himself psychologically to the possibility of abject failure. Fast forward to the present. How would a Stoic face the global pandemic? Well, I think it would entail imagining the worst. Imagine you and your family getting the disease. How would that feel? What would you have to do to stay alive? What if the crisis causes civilizational collapse? How bad could it get? How would you keep a roof over your head and food on your plate? How would you protect your family? Importantly, three points, instead of just doing negative visualization, journal or write it out. Second, once you have a worst case scenario, start preparing for it, take action. And third, don't overindulge in rumination and negative visualization. Once you've countenanced the worst case scenario, take action, prepare, and move on mentally. And I'll quote from Earl Nightingale. He said, visualization is the human being's future in is the human being's vehicle to the future, good, bad, or indifferent. It's strictly in our control. Second motivational hack is to meditate in a cemetery. And I have a photo of a really gorgeous cemetery here. People always look at me funny when I suggest this. A lot of philosophy of psychology revolves around this idea of existential anxiety, that we all have an inescapable fear of death. That is all theoretical, of course, but considering our own demise has a tremendous motivational and clarifying effect. Here's some questions. How would you live if you knew that you were dying in five years, what about one year, one week? What about tomorrow? Deeply considering that one day you'll have no more time left. Would you want to spend your finite time using social media, playing video games, watching sports, or in crappy relationships with low quality people? Death really puts all the silly distractions, amusements, and trivial worries that we have into perspective. To yield this fear of death as a motivational tool, search for a cemetery near you and go visit. Find someplace quiet and semi-private to sit. Sitting in the grass is not great as bugs will 
crawl on you, and there do 20 to 30 minutes of meditation. You would want to start with eyes open meditation. Just take in the scene while breathing deeply. Listen to the birds chirping and the wind rustling the trees. Cemeteries are usually serenely beautiful places and take some time to enjoy it. Look at the tombstones around you. Consider the dead. Imagine all those bodies, all those coffins in the ground that surround you. Imagine the decomposing bodies within them. Death literally surrounds you. Then consider that you will eventually be just like them. You will be in a box in the ground. Philosophy and science are pretty divided on the possibility of an afterlife. It's certainly worth hoping for, but death may just end up being, for you, for me, eternal slumber. Then meditate on gratitude. Be thankful for being above ground. Give thanks for the good things you have in your life. And I'll quote, Death is something inevitable. When a man has done what he considers to be his duty to his people and his country, he can rest in peace. That's from Nelson Mandela. Number three, don't fantasize, plan. It's all too easy to while away our lives looking at pretty girls or pretty boys, expensive cars or travel porn on Instagram or television. Perhaps you go to bed wishing you had the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend or a house or perfect house, perfect dream job, all of those kinds of things. All of this fantasizing doesn't accomplish much other than making you feel inadequate. Instead, plan and create medium-term goals for yourself. I suggest using a mind mapping tool, and I link to the best one, to visually map out what you want your future to look like. Make realistic yet optimistic predictions of how your life could look in these areas. What you'll do for work, how you will make money, what sorts of hobbies will you have, your health condition, how you'll stay in shape. Where will you live? What sort of relationships you'll have? Will you have a girlfriend, wife, husband, or maybe even a family of your own? And in the article, I link to my own MindMeister flowchart of visualizing my future with my wife. It's kind of cool. It's kind of elaborate. You might want to go and check it out. Okay, number four. After planning, habituate. A flowchart that visually breaks down a best case five-year outlook is useless if it's not accompanied by a lot of action. You need to translate your five-year goals into daily and weekly must-dos which you can habituate and measure. Like spend an hour daily working on my book, go to the gym, three times a week, make love to my wife four times a week, limit alcohol consumption to twice weekly, 
For example, I like the tool coach.me for this. It's a free and ad-free smartphone and web app for habit tracking. I've used it for years and it's made me remarkably disciplined. And then I'll quote from Warren Buffett who said, chains of habit are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. Ooh, that's poetic, that Warren Buffett. He, he has a way with words, doesn't he? Okay, number five is to do a productivity sprint. One to three month productivity sprints are a lot more effective than marathons. If you say to yourself something like, for the next five years, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and work to become a successful entrepreneur, then you're almost sure to fail. You want to plan your year around several productivity sprints lasting no more than three months. Come up with an ambitious goal that you can realistically accomplish during the sprint. Stay totally committed uh, and disciplined to doing all of your positive habits daily. Importantly, during the sprint, abstain from everything that makes you weak. So I'm talking about the junk food, alcohol, weed, and porn, along with the time-wasting and petty friends and family. You're going to have to cut those things out for one month, two months, three months for the sprint. It's a whole lot easier to stay motivated and consistent when you know that you only have to do this for 90 days or less. You can look forward to savoring some well-deserved indulgent hedonism when the sprint is up. And I'll quote from Thomas Jefferson. He said, don't ask, act. Action will delineate and define you. Motivational hack number six is don't brag yet. In the first week of January, what do you see on Facebook? People announcing their New Year's resolution and maybe posting photos of themselves taking those four first steps toward them, like getting a badly needed workout in at the gym, a deluge of likes and supportive comments reward Jim for his first week sober and Susan for her first month off sugar. But consistently, they backslide. Six months later, Jim is hungover on a Wednesday and Susan is back to enjoying her daily $9 mocha frappuccino venti with an insane amount of sweet additives in it. This is because often the bragging demotivates us. We get a bunch of praise from our friends and family and as a result, we stop working so hard. Social validation is a hell of a drug. And social media is a scary good technology for tricking us into thinking that we've accomplished something meaningful. Actually, I'll repeat that line because it's important. Social media is a scary good technology for tricking us into thinking that we've accomplished something meaningful. 
Think of a guy who would like a girlfriend, but he's addicted to porn. He's getting his needs met digitally, so he never really makes the necessary effort out there in the real world to get a girlfriend. The same thing happens when you brag about your goals on social media. Instead, keep your goals to yourself. Let the bragging about your goals be what motivates you to make some progress. And don't start bragging until they are actually habituated or you've made some real progress. I'll quote from Mahatma Gandhi, glory lies in the attempt to reach one's goal and not in reaching it. Ooh, that's very meta, isn't it? Mental hack number seven, get sunk cost working for you. This is the final one. Sunk cost is when you spend money on something, a car, a new laptop, or a summer trip to Europe. I hear you can get cheap flights to Europe right now. Maybe you want to come and visit me in Bulgaria. The best life hackers know that sunk cost is a powerful motivational tool. When I was a young, struggling entrepreneur, I would see all these make money online courses that promise some easy formula uh, for profit. Not having much money to invest in that sort of thing, I would just find torrents of these courses, download them, and they never really made me much money. Then I found an appealing course on domaining, which is the buying and selling of website domains for profit. It's kind of like a digital real estate flipping. I couldn't find a torrent for it, so I shelled out the $100 for it. I went through all of the modules and videos, followed their instructions, and managed to sell a domain I bought for $9 to an attorney in Arizona for almost $1,000. I went on to have several other profitable domaining transactions. That $100 investment in the course really paid off. This is sunk cost at work. If there is some goal that frustratingly has eluded you for months or years that you just can't seem to make any meaningful progress toward, find a way to spend money on accomplishing it. Hire a coach, buy a course, travel to a conference, buy a new computer, or whatever. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to cost you a meaningful amount of money and you'll find yourself a lot more motivated. If health matters to you and there's room for improvement demanding just a bit more discipline on your behalf, then by all means, spend money on it and you'll be a lot more disciplined. You'll see your health improve in unprecedented ways. It's almost guaranteed to be a better investment than spending it on a fancy electronic toy or going to an overpriced restaurant. Spending a not insignificant chunk of change on your health will make a difference in the discipline that you need to bring to 
bear. And those are the seven motivational mental hacks, kind of a quick, quick rundown of hacks right here. But I'm hoping that you can pick out at least one of these that you can implement. And I would love for you to drop me a comment or a message somewhere on social media, letting me know how that works out for you. I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and I look forward to a continued conversation with you.